Here is your Radio Theater Channel weekly podcast for download. The RTC still has the very best old-time radio on the live streaming. And if it's music you love, tune in to the RTC Music Channel, where this link and many others are on our website at oldtimeradiolisten.com. Now, here's Jim. Hello and welcome to the RTC Weekly Download. I'm your host, Jim Dolan. This week's program starts off with one of the best-remembered comedy acts of the 1940s. It's Abbott and Costello. The episode is entitled The Radio Station, and the guest star is Alan Ladd from 1944. The Abbott and Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette that's first in the service. Camel stay fresh, cool smoking, and slow burning because they're packed to go around the world. Listen to the music of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the songs of Connie Haynes. Tonight's guest, Mr. Alan Ladd, and starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Why am I rich? I'm rich. What do you mean? Ooh, am I? I'm a millionaire. Calm down, Costello. What's this yelling all about? What do you mean you're a millionaire? Well, it's true, Abbott. My uncle Oscar just died and left me all his money in his will. You mean you're his uh, beneficiary? Yeah, because who's what? Yeah, uh, beneficiary. Beneficiary is the man who gets the money. Beneficiary ain't gonna get none of this money. <laughs> My uncle left the door to me, Abbott. How did Benny Fisher get into this deal? I'll take him to court. I'll sue him. Costello, will you be quiet? Beneficiary means that you, uh, you are your uncle's heir. My uncle's what? Y- your uncle's heir. Heir. H-E-I-R. My uncle didn't have any H-E-I-R. He was bald-headed. All right. <laughs> All he had was a mustache. So what? Well, my uncle was very proud of that mustache. Every morning, he used to cover it with toothpaste. So why did he cover his mustache with toothpaste? Well, so he could kiss his wife. Toothpaste. <laughs> toothpaste. I mean toothpaste. Why did he do that? You have your S teeth in, haven't yes, you? Yes, yes. I brought them along. With me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we will start back again. Why uh, did he, he cover his cover mustache? with toothpaste. Toothpaste. Now, let's have it. Go ahead. Why did he cover his mustache with toothpaste? Yes. So he could kiss his wife goodbye and brush her teeth at the same time. Oh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now, this whole thing is ridiculous. For one thing, how do you know your uncle left this money? Oh, I just got this telegram from my uncle's lawyer. I'm going to read it. Go ahead, Dear read Lou it. Costello, your uncle Oscar has just died and left you a million. Thanks for your past favors. How do you like that, Abbott? I'm rich. I'm going to take everybody out and buy them a multi-milk. A multi-milk? Yeah, because I'm a multi-millionaire. Oh, <laughs> don't be crazy. By the way, Costello, you never told me about your Uncle Oscar. Where where did your uncle live, Costello? Oh, he lived in England. Everybody know my Uncle Oscar in England. He used to walk around with a pocket full of shillings. Shillings? No pence? Sure he had pence. What do you think, you can walk around in his underwear? Oh, oh never mind. Forget your uncle's underwear, please. <laughs> oh, well, don't you think it'll be a little crafty? Now, look, Costello, now that you're, you've inherited a million, million dollars, what are you going to do with all that money? Well, I'm going to use half of the money to buy bonds. Swell. That's what everybody should do. That's swell. And then with the other half, I'm going to buy a radio station. That's uh, You're going to buy a radio station? Yeah. You don't know anything about radio. Why, you don't even know uh, who discovered electricity. I do, too. Mrs. Benjamin Franklin discovered electricity. Mrs. Benjamin Franklin? You mean Benjamin Franklin? No, Mrs. Benjamin Franklin. One day she and her husband had an argument, and she said, Benjamin, go fly a kite. Oh. 
All right, that's enough, Costello. This whole thing is ridiculous. Well, hello, fellas. Oh, it's Ken Niles. Hey, bud, what's that fat boy looking so happy about? He looks like the cat that just swallowed a mouse. If I was a cat, you're one rat that wouldn't be. A running around loose. All right. <laughs> Costello. Costello just got some good news, Ken. His uncle left him a million dollars, and he is going to buy a radio station. And what's more, Niles, I'm going to be the head announcer on my program. You're going to be the head announcer? <laughs> Costello, you can't become a head announcer overnight. Well, I've been hammering away for years to be a head announcer. You look like a hammerhead. <laughs> now, quiet, Costello. Niles is right. An announcer must have an education. Y- you can't even read or write. Well, maybe not, but I, but I spell. You certainly do. <laughs> I said spell! <laughs> Everybody's reading wrong. Now, go ahead. You give me any word at all and I'll spell it. Okay. Spell uh, Mississippi. State or river? Uh, river, 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 river. Huh? River. River? Yeah. R-I-V-E-R. River. <laughs> Come on, Costello. Don't try to crawl out of it. Spell Mississippi. Okay. Mississippi. Yes. M-I-ping. S-S-I-ping. S-S-I-ping. P-P-I-ping. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's, what's the ping for? I was dotting the ice. Oh. <laughs> ah, this is the silliest thing I ever heard of. Why, Costello, my lovely wife would make a better announcer than you would. Your lovely wife? That old umbrella had her face lifted so many times she's too tall for the microphone. Oh, I heard that remark, Costello. And I want you to know that I have never had my face lifted. They started to lift it, but when they saw what was underneath, they dropped it again. <laughs> You must excuse Costello today, Mrs. Niles. He's all excited. He just inherited a million dollars, and he's buying himself a radio station. Oh, that sounds just like him, the stingy, fat plutocrat. He wouldn't think of buying anything for his friends. I wouldn't say that, Mrs. Niles. I'm going to buy you a lovely present, a nice red fire extinguisher that will last you a hundred years. Oh, I don't expect to be here for a hundred years. That's all right. Where you're going, you can take it with you. Now, wait a minute, Costello. The nicest present you could give Mrs. Niles is a chance to try out for that announcing job on your new station. Now, why not have a little contest to see who is the fastest reader? That's right, Costello. After all, it's speed that counts in announcing. And my lovely wife and I challenge you to a contest. Now, that's fair enough. All right. Mrs. Niles, you will be uh, number one. Oh, thank you very much, Mr. Abbott. And I shall certainly do my best to win this contest fairly and conduct myself as a lady. That's splendid, Mrs. Niles. Now, Ken, you're number two. Thank you very much, bud. And I certainly can do my best to win this contest fairly and conduct myself as a gentleman. Good, good. And now, Costello, you will be number three. I thank you, Mr. Abbott, because I don't know how to get some of my progress in my announcer, too. Ah! Uh, no, no, no. I didn't understand what you said, Costello. Well, did you hear what the other said? Yes. <laughs> All right, now, let's go. Uh, you will each recite, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Now, when I call your name, you start. When you hear the bell, you stop. And don't forget to take a great, big, deep breath. All ready now? Mary Had a Little Lamb! No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'll call out the name. Not you. No, not you. All right. Mrs. Niles. Mary Had a Little Lamb. Please spice stone. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb is sure to go. I followed her to school one day. Ah, Ken Niles. Mary had a little lamb, feast white as snow, and everyone in the Mary went to lamb to go. Followed her to school one day, which was uh, Luke Costello. <laughs> Mrs. Niles. I didn't have to say yet. Mrs. Niles. Mary had a little lamb, feast of white as snow, and everywhere the Mary went to lamb is sure to go. Followed her to school one day, which was uh, Ken Niles. Mary had a little lamb, feast of white as snow, and everywhere the Mary went to lamb is sure to go. Followed her to school one day. Uh, Luke Costello. <laughs> Mrs. Niles. Mary had a little 
lamb as fleet as white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Ecken Isles. Mary had a little lamb as fleet as white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Lou Costello. <laughs> The winner, Lou Costello. Why, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Oh, it's astounding. Costello, how did you ever learn to talk that fast? Oh, it's easy. I've got two tongues. <laughs> You've got two tongues? Yeah, I got my own and my father gave me his. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why would your father give you his tongue? Because my mother never gave him a chance to use it. Ah, Closest to our major bases to Japan is Dutch Harbor on Unalaska Island in the Aleutians. To Americans at Dutch Harbor, to United States bases and outposts throughout the world, go camel cigarettes. By the million, by the ton. For camels are first with men in all the services according to actual sales records. And of course, fresh camels in the Aleutians mean fresh camels for you too. Yes, your camel cigarettes stay fresh cool smoking and slow burning because they're packed to go around the world. Today, more people want camels, both at home and overseas. More people want the fresh cigarette, the cigarette with more flavor. So remember, if your store is sold out, camel cigarettes are worth asking for again. Camel cigarettes. Camel standard of costlier tobaccos is the same for soldier, for civilian, anywhere in the world. Connie Haynes sings the California novelty tune, San Fernando Valley. Oh, I'm packing my grip, and I'm leaving today, cause I'm taking a trip, California way. I'm gonna set down a nevermore road, and make the San Fernando Valley my home. I'll forget my sins, I'll be making new friends, where the west begins, and the sunset ends, cause I've decided where you truly should be, and it's the San Fernando Valley for me, I think that I'm safe and Satan, he will be waiting, when my lonely journey is done, and kindly old Reverend Thomas, Made us a promise He will make the two of us one So I'm hitting the trail To the cow country You can board my mail Care I'm gonna settle down A nevermore long And make the San Fernando Valley My home I think that I'm safe and thinking He will be waiting When my lonely journey Is this the radio station? Yeah, this is station IOU, the voice of the creditors. I'm the owner and manager, Lou Costello. 
the great big fat radio maggot. Uh, my name, my name is Pentley P. Krinkelmeyer of Krinkelmeyer and Ingersoll. Uh, where's Ingersoll? He's doing time. <laughs> I'm thinking of buying a program on your station. I'm in the cracker business. Ha, ha, ha. You look like the crummy type. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, Costello, take it easy. You need the business. Yes, Mr. Costello. You see, I'm a very successful man. I manufacture Krinkelmeyer's crispy, crunchy, crackly, crunkly, crinkly, crunchy, crunchy, crunchy. I make biscuits. And you do it the hard way, too. Quiet, quiet, Costello. What kind of a program did you wish to put on, Mr. Krinkelmeyer? I want a program that will sell Krinkelmeyer's crunchy, crunchy, crinkly, crankly, crookly, crackly, crinkly, crackly, crookly, crackly. You want to sell biscuits? Young man, you took the words right out of my mouth. You mean I took the biscuits right out of your pan? That's it, young man. You make the cracks and I'll make the crackers. <laughs> and now I'd like to have you meet a young chap who's going to help put on my program. Meet my announcer, Oliver Storchy. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? How do you do? Hello. This guy's a radio announcer? Well, I suppose you like your own announcers, but I thought you might like to put one more on. And he's the moron who can do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let the, let the boy read something for us, Costello. Go ahead. Let him read something. Oh, yeah, I'm marvelous. <laughs> Wonderful. Simply marvelous. <laughs> I'll get a load of this. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> Hello. This is Oliver Store Cheese bringing you the Crinklemeyer Crinklemeyer Cracker Program from Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just been listening to a coast-to-coast hiccup. <laughs> oh, so that's the way it is Come, Oliver We'll take our business elsewhere Ha, ha, ha Ha, ha, ha Ha, ha, ha All right, all right Costello, listen That's no way to run a radio station You're chasing all the customers away All right, all right, all right Just a minute, I'll open the door Never mind, I'll walk through it Costello, Costello, look who it is, that famous killer, Alan Ladd. Hey, which one of you fellas is Costello? It's, uh, 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 Cost- uh, uh, the little fat one, me, I'm Costello. Oh, uh, you, huh? Listen, fatty, I understand you just inherited a million dollars. It's all right, you got me. Go ahead, take my money. Pull out your gun. Go ahead, shoot me full of holes. Come on, make me look like Swiss cheese. Go ahead. Hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I don't even carry a gun. Oh, gun is too noisy, eh? You got a knife. Mm-hmm. Got a knife, huh? Go ahead. Do something to me. Come on, stab me. Cut me to ribbons. I got a, I got a clean underwear. I'm ready to die. Costello, Alan Ladd doesn't want to kill you. If he does, I'll never talk to him again. Oh, look, I don't want you to die. I, I hope you live to be 150 years old. Oh, you want me to be an old man, 150 years old, with a beard? I'll trip over my beard, fall into the street, get run over by a truck, then you'll want to take me to a hospital. No, 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 no. He, he wants you to be healthy so you can go to work. Oh, fine, fine. Never met the guy before. An old man, me, 150 years old, he wants me to go to work. What does he care? Okay, okay, don't go to work. Oh, no, he won't let me work. Wants me to starve to death. Now, look, wait a minute, please. No one wants you to starve to death. No, eat steaks, eat big, juicy steaks. How do you like that? 150 years old, not a tooth in my head? He wants me to eat steaks. Listen, Costello, if it'll make you happy, I'll carry you around in my arms. Now he's trying to make an invalid out! (laughs) Costello, quiet. Stop all this nonsense and arguing with Alan Ladd. Give the man a chance to talk, please. Yeah, that's right, Costello. I 
I merely heard that you were starting a radio station, and I came over for a job. You want a job in my station? Well, what would you do? Well, I, I always wanted to be one of those fellows who steps up to the microphone and says, uh... Men, a new shaving cream has hit the market. It is called uh, Reverso. Reverso does the way with shaving of any kind. It makes the whiskers grow inside your mouth. All you have to do is bite them off. Remember Reverso. Spelled backwards, it reads, reads, uh, Azerva, which makes it harder to remember. Say, Costello, this Alan Lad is pretty good. Yes, not bad for a lad. Hey, listen, but I think his voice is a little... <laughs> I think his voice is a little too loud. Try it a little farther away from the microphone, Alan. Well, you mean like this? No, no, you're still too close. Step back a little farther. Well, uh, how's this, Costello? No, step back just a little farther. Oh, but uh, I'm up against the wall now. Oh, you are? Well, open up those French windows and step out on that balcony. Okay. You know something, Abbott? What? We have no balcony. <laughs> the uh, flying trapeze broke and left the daring young man as flat as a pressed pleat. Mm-hmm, that's flat. And it can be worse in your cigarette. If wartime flatness is spoiling your smoking, get camels for more flavor. Yes, if you're looking for a cigarette that won't go flat no matter how many you smoke, get camels for more flavor. Expert blending of costlier tobaccos gives Camel cigarettes that extra flavor. It helps them to hold up, keep from going flat, no matter how many you smoke. Double-check that for yourself in your taste and throat. Your T-Zone proving ground for Camel's rich extra flavor and smooth extra mildness. And remember, Camel cigarettes stay fresh, cool smoking and slow burning because they're packed to go around the world. C-A-M-E-L-S Camel cigarettes. They're first in the service. They've got what it takes. Come in. Well, hello, boys. How's the radio business? Hey, Abbott, it's Alan Ladd. What are you doing back here, Alan? I thought I got rid of you when you fell off the balcony. Didn't you get hurt? No. Fortunately, I was wearing my light fall suit. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> you need me around here, Costello? Your audience is crying for new blood. And in a minute, they're going to get it. Your blood. All right, Costello. <laughs> Why don't you listen to Alan? He may have some good program ideas to improve your station. Well, certainly, Costello. I've written lots of dandy programs. Why don't we try out a few of them? For example, those all-night record shows are very popular. You fellas help me out and we'll try one right now, huh? Well, what are we waiting for? Let's listen to the music. <laughs> Good evening, record fans everywhere. This is Happy Alan Ladd bringing you the oldest all-night record program on the air. Broadcasting since 1896. 24 years before radio. Now that's enough talk. We start off our uninterrupted dance music with a recording of Mexicali Rose, played by Freddie Snitch and his Los Angeles River washouts. Here it is. Mexicali Rose. This number is being played for Fred and Mabel, Cecil and Rodney, Becky, Fanny, Pauline, the boys at Schmetnick's Pool Hall, the shut-ins at Alcatraz, 
and Poopsie. I know you all want to dance, so back to the music. Attention, all men over 95! Are you taking care of your tooth? Do you use pink toothpaste to suffer from white toothbrush? When you smile, does your tooth stand out like a limer bean in a barrel of tar? <laughs> then try Dr. Fangbuster's toothpaste. The only taste toothpaste containing grit, sand, and gravel. To receive a free tube of this toothpaste, do not send in an empty tube. Just send in your tooth. <laughs> Remember Fangbuster's toothpaste for sparkling gums. And now, back to the music. And I want to interrupt the music for a moment to tell you that you're dancing to Mexicali Rose. Ladies, have you tried slicko shellac on your floors? When you get up tomorrow, make this simple, simple test. Put two drops of slicko shellac on your floor and rub gently for two days. Then put two more drops on your floor and rub for three days. Then finally, two more drops and rub for two more days. And ladies, before you know it, the week is gone. And so is your floor. You have just been dancing to Mexicali Rose. Good night. Say, Alan, that was great. Yeah, they were, Alan. Got any more of those kind of programs? Well, I, I, I've got a great story for your daytime program. It's... It's all about a young girl and her problems. You want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sounds good, Costello. Freddie Rich, let's have the uh, theme music. <laughs> the makers of Grow Fuzz Hair Tonic present another episode in the true life story of Blossom Fink. Girl street cleaner. But first... But first, listen to what a satisfied user has to say about Grow Fuzz. Go ahead, Mr. Schnook. My wife was disappointed in me because I didn't have any hair on my chest. So I bought a bottle of Grofuzz. And now, after one application, you should see the hair on my chest. I don't wear a shirt anymore. I wear a fascinator. <laughs> and now, back to Blossom Fink, girl street cleaner. It seems like only yesterday that poor Blossom drank potato bug spray thinking it was Orange Pico. But don't worry, folks. Blossom's all right now. The police gave her the third degree and pumped it out of her. In the meantime, Blossom's friend Harvey went to the general store to meet Squire Prindle to inquire about Larry, who had received the tragic letter from Mrs. Phil Potts' nephew, Eustace, who had told her of the split-up between Bernice and Fitzroy. Now, while this was happening, the butcher's son, Herman, spied Charlie and Julius leaving Mrs. Greystone's house with Myrtle and Phoebe and quickly rang the fire alarm. Naturally. Blossom was a little confused by all this, and so am I. But as we look in upon Blossom this morning, she and her husband are having breakfast. Who? <laughs> Blossom speaks. Oh, good morning, John, darling. What do you want for breakfast? Oh, dear, I I'd like some coffee. Oh, but you should have milk. But I'd much rather have a coffee, dear. But you should have milk. I'd rather have coffee. No milk. No, no, coffee. Milk. Coffee. Tune in tomorrow. Will John have milk or coffee? <laughs> and remember, friends, go to your nearest drugstore and get a bottle of Grow Fuzz hair tonic. Try it tonight. If you're not completely satisfied, please don't complain. You've only got one bottle. We got a million of them. <laughs> 
Costello, that's the greatest radio story I've ever heard. You're right, Abbott. Hey, look, Alan, I'll buy the whole works from you. Okay, okay, Costello. That'll be uh, $10,000. Cash on the barrel head. And I'm just the barrel head that's got the money. (laughs) Now, Alan, just listen to this telegram. I want to show you that I really got a lot of dough. Now, get it. Dear Luke Costello, your Uncle Oscar has just died and left you a million. Thanks for your past favors. Hey, wait a minute. Let me see that telegram. Okay. Oh, I thought so. You read it wrong. Oh, no. You haven't got a million dollars. You haven't got a cent. What do you mean? Here, I'll read this telegram for you. Dear Lou Costello, your Uncle Oscar has just died and left you. A million thanks for past favors. Costello! Did you hear that? Did I hear that? And I just thought of something else that's wrong with that telegram. What's that? I ain't got no Uncle Oscar! Ah, get out of here! Abbott and Costello will be back in just a moment. Thanks to the Yanks of the Week. Tonight we salute 23-year-old Marine Captain Harold Siegel of New York City, one of two Corsair pilots who attacked a formation of 40 Japanese planes. First he shot his Zero's tail off, and then his companion, following through, with four Japs firing at him, he dove and blew up another, continuing on down to smash a third. Now under fire from about ten enemy fighters, Captain Siegel's plane was shot to pieces, but he stuck with it and plunged into the water. Next morning, he was rescued by a destroyer. In your honor, Marine Captain Harold Siegel, the makers of camels are sending to our Marines in the Pacific 300,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the four Camel Radio shows honors a Yank of the Week, sends 300,000 Camel cigarettes overseas, a total of more than a million Camels sent free each week. In this country, the traveling Camel caravans have thanked audiences of more than three and a half million Yanks with free shows and free Camels. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States four times a week, a shortwave to our men overseas and to South America. Listen tomorrow to Gary Moore and Jimmy Durante. Saturday to Bob Hawk in Thanks to the Yanks. Monday to Blondie. And next Thursday to Abbott and Costello with our guests, Cary Grant and Don Barkley.
Abbott and Costello with the final word. Well, Costello, we'd better start getting ready for next week's program. You know, we're going to have uh, Cary Grant and his friend Don Barkley as our guests. Cary Grant? Mm-hmm. You mean the big movie star? That's right, Costello. You know, uh, Cary just returned from the South Pacific, where he entertained the soldiers. Yeah, I understand he made a lot of money on that trip. Oh, don't be silly. That's patriotic volunteer work. The Army doesn't pay him for that. He made the money off the Japs. No, what he had you... a great racket. What do you mean? At night, he'd hide behind a tree with a baseball bat and belt the Japs over the head. How could Cary make money that way? Easy. When the Japs came to, he'd sell them a road map. Good night, folks. Good night, night, buddy. Be sure and tune in next week for another great Abbott and Costello show with our special guests, Cary Grant and Don Barkley. Alan Ladd appeared tonight through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. And remember, get camels for more flavor. If you're looking for a cigarette that won't go flat, no matter how many you smoke, get camels for more flavor. This is Ken Niles wishing you a very pleasant good night from Hollywood. Now let's drop in for a few minutes to hear Baby Snooks, the Catman's Revenge. Bye. Buy me an ice cream cone. Quiet, Snooks. I don't want any trouble with you today. I get one Saturday afternoon off and your mother makes me take you to see some kid's picture. Who's the kid? I don't even know the name of the thing. What's playing? Or else. Or else? Mm-hmm. That couldn't be a movie title. Well, Mommy said you were going to take me to see the picture. Or else. Oh. Well, believe me, I'd have told her a thing or two if I didn't want to play poker tonight. Oh, here's the movie house, Daddy. Oh, Lord. The Catman's Revenge. It's very spooky. I can imagine. Well, come on. Oh, uh, two, please. One child. Is that the child? Well, what do you think she is, my grandmother? How old are you, little lady? Me? Yes, you. Whatever my daddy says. Snooks, the man wants to know how old you are. Tell him. Is five too much? Sorry, bud. Fifty cents each. Oh, all right. Here's your dollar. Well, let go of it. Snooks. Now, listen. Before we go in, are you, uh, sure... Yes, Daddy. You're positive? Uh-huh. All right, fine. Catman's revenge, here we come. Gosh, it's dark in here. Do you see any seats, Snooks? Yes. I'd write in that row. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to say pardon me as you go past the people. All right. Pardon me. Uh, pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Oh, my corn. Oh, pardon me. Oh, my corn. Pardon me. Daddy, can I sit on your lap? No, certainly not. 
Well, we better go back because there's only one seat here. Oh, fine. Come on. Uh, pardon me. Pardon me. Oh, my corn. Oh, pardon me. Why don't you look where you... Oh, my corn. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Pardon me. All right, pardon stop me. that. Well, now. Oh, pardon me. Come on. Oh, look, there's two seats right there. Mm-hmm. Now sit down and behave yourself. And this picture better be good. It is. How do you know? Because I seen it twice yesterday. <laughs> oh, you did? Well, why didn't you tell me outside? It wasn't playing outside. Oh, come on. Let's get out of here. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Look what's happening to that man in the picture. Good heavens. There's fangs growing out of his mouth. Yeah, he's turning into a cat. Are you coming, Daddy? Uh, sit down a minute, Snooks. L- l- let's see what happens. He gets killed. Well, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to enjoy it. But he comes to life again. Snooks. He comes back as a cat. Excuse me, bud. Is the dialogue on this screen interfering with your conversation? You got me so as I don't know what's going on in this picture. I'll tell you. No! <laughs> this is where the cat man gets his revenge. Please! The cat man shoots the hero. The hero shoots the cat man. He's where the cops come in. They break the door down. Everybody shoots everybody. They all get killed in the end, that's all. Oh, oh, no, it isn't. There's one more thing. What? This. <laughs> there are clubs like the Elks, the Eagles, and even Stamp Clubs. But we are joining the Crime Club for the next 30 minutes... And the topic for this week's meeting, Death is a Knockout, from 1947. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Death is a Knockout. Yes, we have that story for you. Come right over. Ah, you're here. Good. Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The manuscript is on this shelf. Here it is. Death is a Knockout. A very exciting story of a golden opportunity that was melted down by murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was the night of the Joey Troy-Billy Sampson light heavyweight boxing match. And the crowd was already pushing into Madison Square Garden, filling it up. A few blocks away, another match was taking place in a small cafe. Between Hank Barnum, a sports writer... And lovely Ann Cooper, a reporter. For Pete's sake, Ann, you might try to be reasonable. Don't tell me, Hank. 
You're a personal friend of Pop Evans, Joey Troy's manager. You were the first one to give Joey Troy a break in print. There are no more tickets left. Oh. oh. Why didn't you ask me a few days ago? I might have been able to swing a pass. I didn't see what I see now. Oh, what do you see now? A human interest story. The romance between Joey Troy and that girl of his. What's your name? Mabel Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, Anne, that's been going on for years. I told you all about it. It was never important until tonight. And tonight? I've got a yen to do a feature. Joey Troy, the brainless wonder, fighting for a crack at the champ. Tonight, Billy Sampson. Next year, the champ. Who pushed him up the cliff to those dizzy heights? Pop Evans. No, dear, not according to my story. It was a girl who stuck to him, inspired him, gave him the will to make good. Oh, by the way, who's that gorgeous redhead coming this way? Huh? Oh, that's Mabel Smith. I figured you'd be having dinner in this joint. You mind if I sit down? Mabel, this is Ann Cooper. Hello. Yeah. Hank, I gotta talk to you about something very important. Okay, go ahead. What about her? Uh, she's all right. Well, okay. There's trouble, Hank. You enjoy? No, it's Marty French. He wants Pop to get Joy to throw the fight. Uh-huh. Well, Pop ain't doing it, and that means that... Uh, no, no, take it easy, Mabel. What's the proposition? 50000 if Joy takes it on the chin in the fourth round. Well, why didn't Pop tell me about it? He's scared stiff. The story broke in the papers, the fight might be called off. Uh-huh. Would that be bad for Joey's morale? He don't know what's cooking, Miss Cooper. We didn't tell him. Why not? Because he's a dumb cluck who gets mad. He'd go after Marty and kill him. What do you want me to do, Mabel? You gonna be in Joy's corner tonight like always? Yep. Well, keep an eye on the towels they wipe his face with between rounds. Make sure there's no drug on him. All right, honey. I'll do what I can. I'll be watching from the eighth row ringside. So long, Hank. I'll see you later. Oh, goodbye, Miss Cooper. Goodbye, Mabel. Well, it's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. And I'm burning up because I won't be there. Are you listening to me, Joey? Sure, Pop. You know I always listen to you. Now, keep pushing him. Don't give him a chance to get sick. You want me to take him this round, Pop? I'll let you know. You better tell me now, Pop. I don't hear so good when I'm fighting. Oh, there's the buzzer, kid. Now, we've got to clear it out. But, Pop, what do I do? Go after him. But don't leave yourself open. Okay, I'll knock him off. Now, Pop, that's the fourth round coming up. Now, what's so special about the fourth round, Hank? Nothing. Could be a lucky number. Is that all? Now, what's the matter with you tonight? You've been barking at me like a mutt. What's the idea of checking the stuff we take in the ring? There's no harm in smelling the towels, is there? Well, it ain't necessary either. Joey, get after him. You got him going now. Use both hands. Both hands. Don't give him a chance to get set. He's going to knock him out, Hank. He's going to knock him out. Both hands, Joey. Don't let him get off the ropes. Pop, what's the matter? Uh, I don't... Pop. Pop Evans. Hey, somebody get a doctor, quick. I didn't think you'd do it, Hank. I didn't think you'd try to commit murder with 20,000 people around him. Mabel, are you sure you saw the gun? I told you. Marty French was sitting next to me. I know where the shot came from. I didn't hear a thing, and there isn't a mark on Pop. There was a shot, Hank. Marty was telling me how tough it would be if me and Joey never got married. And then Joey went to work on oh, Billy Samson, and then... Shh, 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 shh. He's coming, too. Shot. Shot. You see? He heard it, too. That's when he fainted. Shot. Joey. Joey. Ah, take it easy, Pop. You gotta relax. Let me up. I gotta see Joey. He's been shot. Ah, he's all right, I tell you. Where is he? Upstairs winning a fight for you. Hiya, pals. Marty. Yeah. I saw them carry you away, Pop. I thought maybe you had an accident. You tried to kill him. Me? Hey, what's this? Something for the press? You got a gun on you, Marty. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Huh? All right, if you'd rather talk to a cop. Hank, let's not have any trouble. Listen, Pop, are you afraid of this man? I don't want any trouble. <laughs> the way I let people talk about me. 
chalk it up to a good mood. I got news. Joey lost. No, sweetheart. His oh. dumb boyfriend is the leading contender now. He gets first crack at the champ. When did it happen? Two minutes and 18 seconds, the seventh round. And I wasn't there to see him do it. I've been with him in every fight, and the biggest one so far... I'm taking pictures now, and he's talking on the radio. You know how much I dropped tonight, Pop? That's got nothing to do with us. A hundred grand, sister. But don't get me wrong. I'm not sore. <laughs> I'm considering it an investment. What does that mean, Marty? You know, Hank, I look at you and I get ideas. Stick around, I'll give you a story you'll never be able to write. Such as? Just stick around. Now, I bought a bottle of champagne. The best. What for? We're going to have a few drinks to Joey. To the next champ. Not with me, you're not. Okay, then beat it. What? Say, who do you think you're talking to? Pop, tell her what I mean when I say beat it. Maybe, maybe you better not wait for Joey. Yeah. All right. I know where I stand. I'll be at the apartment. What's the matter, Hank? You look puzzled. Pop. Uh, let me tell you. There was a deal on for tonight, and he reneged. I didn't take any money from him, Hank. He sent one of his gangsters to train and camp with an envelope. The sneak gave it to me and drove away. There was 20,000 bucks in it I didn't know. I promised you 30 more, didn't I? And I told you where to go. Where's the 20 grand? Where? Why, you dirty crook, I gave it back to you yesterday after Joey and I got back from the training camp. Oh, quit kidding, pal. You're not making any impression on the press. He is, Marty. I believe him. You don't say. Are you going to write about it? Huh? <laughs> we'll wait for Joey, huh? Maybe he'll want to drink some of this champagne with us. I'm depressed. You and Hank wasn't there to see me finish, Pop. What took you so long, Joey? Oh, they was taking a lot of pictures, moving pictures. Where's Mabel? She had to go home, kid. What for? She always waits for me to get to work and... She had to go home, big shot. I ain't talking to you, Marty. That's what you think. I don't want you to bother me. I don't feel so good. What's the matter, son? Get these gloves off me, Pop. Sure. You don't have to act like you're lost. I ain't putting them on never again. What? Well, what do you mean? I mean it. Fighting's too dangerous. What? Well, I'll be a monkey steps. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Let's find out what he means. You know what almost happened in the ring tonight? What happens every time some guy hits me hard? What's that? I get mad, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I might kill some guy sometime, and then I'd be sorry. I oh, know you're tired, kid. Come on, I'll give you a rub down. I don't want to be sorry. I don't want to kill nobody. You haven't killed anybody yet, and you're not going to. Come I'm on. scared, Pop. I never said it before because I don't want you to feel bad, but tonight... What's so different about tonight? I think they took Billy Sampson to the hospital, Hank. Oh. <laughs> You'll get over it, Joey. And next year, when you're beating the... I don't want you to talk to me, Marty. Then you tell him, Pop. He's in the big money now. You're not letting him quit, are you? Listen, Joey, we've worked a long time to get you to the top. And what do you think you're going to do to Mabel if you walk out in us now? Mabel? She wants to be the champ someday. Maybe she wants you to be famous and have a lot of money. She's been waiting for you, son. For me to be champ? Sure she has. Now, if you quit now, you'll break her heart. That's worse than getting mad, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just a dumb guy. I, I don't think. Open that bottle of champagne, Hank. We're celebrating. Open it yourself. I just seen a miracle go to waste. Okay, I don't mind. Is that the real stuff? Right out of my private cellar. 
You want to pour it? Yeah. I like champagne. I- I'll get the glasses. Yeah, do that. And then we'll drink to the partnership of Marty French and Pop Evans. Partnership? I'm taking a half interest in Joey, Pop. For how much, Marty? The 20 grand I left him on deposit. And the 100 grand I lost on the fight. I got none of your money. Now get out of here. Now, wait a minute. First, you sign this paper. A partnership agreement. 50-50 on Joey as long as he fights. You're taking a big chance, Marty. Am I? Are you going to put it on the front pages, Hank? Or tell the district attorney? Okay. Then I say Pop took the money from me. Let him prove that he didn't. Hey, what's this I hear about a partnership? This is nothing for you to worry about, Joey. I don't want you taking him for no partner. I don't like him. Yeah. (laughs) You'll get over that, too. Well, I guess I picked the wrong time to be nice to you guys. Let's have the drinks. Yeah. Here's yours, Marty. And this one's for you, Pop. I'll get yours and mine off this table, Hank. Here. One for you, one for me. Well, here goes to the next champ. Hey. Hey, this is good. Can I have another one? Sure, keep the bottle. Well, so long, pals. I'll see you tomorrow, Pop. Don't waste your time. You coming, Hank? With you. I said before, I look at you and I get ideas. Come on. Where? For a little walk. I got some plans I want to discuss with you. Not tonight, Marty. I'm spending it with nice people. I said, you're coming, Hank. (sighs) Would um, that bulge in your pocket be loaded? You want proof? Good night, folks. So long, Hank. I'll be there, pal. Let's have it, Marty. What's the idea of pushing a gun at me through your pockets? (laughs) A gun? (laughs) You fooled easy, Hank. Take a look. A package of chewing gum. I'm going back. The gun's in the other pocket. Uh, I'm going with you. Yeah. Oh, here... Keep yourself entertained. Have a stick. No, thanks. Well, you uh, don't mind if I do a little uh, chewing, do you? you got a mouthful already. Yes, how I like it. Keeps me busy. What about those plans you wanted to discuss with me? Oh, yeah. You and I are going to be boozing pals for the night. Really? In the morning, I suppose, you'll throw me over for a blonde. Ah. <laughs> you don't get it. We're going to be inseparable. You're going to be my alibi. Your what? Yeah, that's right. Something's liable to happen to one of those lugs in the dressing room. Now, look here, Marty. If you think your gorillas are going to... Don't get excited. I said liable. And that means that I... Uh, uh, Hey, Hey, what's the matter with you? uh, I don't know. I sort of just hit me in the stomach. I I got pains. Awful. I... Marty. Marty! Oh, I'll be... He's dead. That's an exciting situation, isn't it? What do you think will come of it? We'll return to the story in a moment. You see, I'd like to talk to you for just a minute. As librarian of the crime club... I'm extremely interested in what you think of crime stories. And all of us will be very grateful to you for a short letter about them. 
Do crime stories supply a kind of relaxation for you after your day's work? Do they perhaps take your mind off the various problems that you would like to forget for a little while? Do you find them interesting as sidelights on the minds of evildoers and as illustrations of the eventual failure of evil? Won't you take just a few minutes to write to us to tell us why you listen to crime stories? Your thoughts are so important to us. A letter or a card will be most deeply appreciated. Won't you please write one to the Crime Club in care of the Mutual Broadcasting System, New York 18? You'll be doing a great service to us, and you'll be helping us in planning these programs for your enjoyment. The address is the Crime Club, care of the Mutual Broadcasting System, New York 18. May we hear from you? And you shall hear from us now as we continue the story of Death is a Knockout. Marty French is dead in the corridor outside Joey Troyer's dressing room. It is 15 minutes later, and in the dressing room... I tell you, Hank, Joey didn't put a thing in Marty's drink. Listen, Pop, the police are going to be here in a few minutes. They're going to ask a lot of questions. He was all standing around this rub-down table, wasn't we? Did you see him do anything out of line? Not here, but we didn't see him pour the champagne. Wait a minute, I don't like what you're saying, Hank. That ain't friendship. All I want's the truth. You take that back. Take it back. Stop it, Joey. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, Pop, you're the boss. But he's got no right to put ideas in my head. All right, Joey, now get dressed. We're going home. Mabel's waiting. When did this happen, Pop? On the way home from the garden. After the cops told us we could go home, we dropped Hank and then Joey began to act up. I killed them, Mabel. Oh, shut up, you dumb Adonis. I remember while I was pouring the champagne, I was listening to Marty tell Pop he was a partner. I was getting madder every time he opened his mouth. There was a bottle of rubbing down stuff on the table with a skull and bones on the label. You didn't use it. Do you understand? I understand, honey, but maybe I did. Hank kept saying I did. What am I going to do with him? How can I go after a match with a champ as long as this idiot thinks he's a murderer? Matches and money. That's all you ever think about. Squeeze the gold out of him. What have I done to you? Mabel, that ain't no way to talk to Pop. Don't tell me how to talk. Why don't he let us get married? Why don't he cancel that no marriage clause in your contract? Well, I signed, Mabel. Did you know it was there? Did you even bother to read the paper? No, honey, I was a kid and Pop said it was okay, so I... Listen, Pop. Joey, have I been a good manager to you? Oh, who says you wasn't? Didn't I take you into my house when you had nothing? I fed you, I clothed you, I built you up to be a leading contender? Well, I ain't complaining, Pop. All right, then, believe me, son, marriage is no good for you now. Not until you're the champ. You can't have too many things on your mind. You hear that, Mabel? I gotta do what Pop says. Oh, you make me sick. Even so, now that I'm thinking, you wouldn't want to get hitched to no murderer. That again, huh? Well, maybe you know why you killed Marty. Yeah, he was getting him Pop's hair. He made me mad. Pop's hair? Sure. Say, Pop, even if Joey had 50 managers, he'd still get his 60%. Of course. But a partner would cut your profit in half. What are you getting at, Mabel? You had a reason for killing Marty. And all the time you've been letting Joey think he did it. Now, that ain't so, Mabel. Pop ain't no killer. No. Watch me prove it. Get away from that phone, Come on, Mabel. I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to give them the whole setup between you and Marty. Drop that phone. Oh. Hey, hey, Pop, cut it. Are you twisting them huh? Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to lose my temper. But I want no more talk of murder. Murder. 
Now look, Ann Cooper, you may be the light of my life, but you haven't you you, you haven't got a better reason. Hey, darling, a, a girl can be lonesome. Oh, but Ann, it, it's against the rules at two o'clock in the morning, and besides, I'm tired. Oh, well, then you're out of circulation. Good night, dear. <sighs> Good night. Oh, oh, what? What is this, Lovers Lane? Go home and let me die in peace. All right, all right. But you better not be the milkman. Hank, I'm sorry to be bothering you. I think nothing of it, Mabel. I'm running open house. Joey's in trouble. Something besides murder. I'm serious. I just saw something in the papers. The coroner found poison in Marty's stomach. No kidding. And how'd it get there? Joey thinks he did it. Hank, you gotta help me. Joey's innocent, but when I left the apartment, he was talking about giving himself up. Now, that, Mabel, may be the only idea he ever had. I thought you were his friend. What motive did he have for killing that gambler? He's crazy about Pop, and Marty was trying to horn in. Sure, on Pop. Now, would Joey rub out a guy with poison? Ah. Uh, you think it was too subtle for him? I know it. He'd do it the hard way, with his knuckles. Could be. Say, Mabel... Was the glass that Marty drank the champagne from tested by the police for poison? I don't know. Why? Oh, I thought that might have been in the papers, too. How'd you like to drive downtown with me? Where to? The morgue. For a bird's-eye view of Marty. Yeah, I'd like to, but I'd better stick close to Joey. In his frame of mind, you never know what he'll do next. Hello, McCann. Oh, it's you, Mr. Barnum. Come in. I'm always glad when somebody walks in here. How's business? Oh, very quiet. What brings you to us at this hour? Marty French. Oh, yes. Would you like to see his body? Not this minute, but I would like to examine his clothes. Are they here? You too? Who else? Well, there's a lady looking at him now. A lady? In the wardrobe room. She's very beautiful, Mr. Varner. I don't often get a chance... Uh, to... is she about, uh, this tall? Yeah. And has she got... Blue eyes and a full mouth. A lovely mouth, Mr. Vaughn. And uh, uh, when she walks, does she... Uh, yes, Mr. Vaughn, I'm just like that. Is she a friend of yours? She was. Mm, you don't know who I envy you. A live woman. Oh. Hello, darling. Hank, what are you doing here? Are you still lonesome? You wouldn't take me to the fight. Did you know there was going to be a murder? No, Anne, dear, but that's no reason for you to be picking a dead man's pockets. The police said he was poisoned. He drank champagne a few minutes before he died, and there was no poison in his glass. Are you sure of that? That's what they told me. So I came here looking for a clue. Uh, I'm a reporter, remember? What did you find? Oh, nothing much. This package of cigarettes, some loose change, and this package of... Oh. And just imagine how I felt when I pulled that out of his pocket. Let that be a lesson to you. Where's the package of chewing gum? How'd you know about that? Ah, I'm psychic. Let me have it. Oh, Hank, it's my favorite brand. Well, you better switch, honey. That kind good is what for what ails you. If you want to stop ailing for good. Hank, how can you be so sure that gum contains poison? You're a tough kid to convince, Ann. I like proof. All right. I'll give it to you. Here? Why not? It's a beautiful spring night, and the bugs run all their glory. Pardon me if I think you've gone. What? Bugs. Hmm, thank you, sweetheart. I take a stick of this gum, unwrap it, break it up into little pieces, and lay them on the sill of the car window. 
Well, my mother always told me never to trust a sports writer. In a few seconds, little bugs with wings will zoom out of the atmosphere to nibble at the bait. Ah, and won't they be surprised? You're so cruel. Ah, here they come. Look at them go for that sugar-coated poison. <laughs> Have a good time, little brothers. You're helping me find a murderer. Oh, what? Hank, those bugs... Yes, isn't it amazing? They're dying like flies. Joey, will you stop moping and go to bed? I ain't staying here in the apartment with you. I want Mabel. Oh, I don't know where she is. I've looked all over town for her. You ain't telling me the truth, Tom. Joey, Joey. You don't like Mabel. You, you, you twist it around. What's the matter with you, boy? You're like a wild animal. Yeah, a wild animal. I get mad and I don't know what I'm doing. I could kill a guy and not know I'm doing it. Oh, come on. Now you're tired. Go to bed. Sleep it off. Mm, I notice you getting mad like that, too. If I killed anybody, I'd know about it. That's where you got it on me, Pop. Everybody knows I'm a dope. What are you trying to do, pin that murder on me? Mabel said you got the reason, didn't she? So that's it. Well, now listen to me, son. I'm not taking the nap for you or anybody else. Ha! What's so funny about that? You ain't so smart, Pop. I just tripped you up. Huh? You seen me do it, didn't you? So I do what? You saw me slip the poison in the glass. Now look at here, Joey. I don't want any more talk. Go to bed. I'm going to find Mabel. And then I'm going to give myself up to the cops. Hey, look, Joy, please listen to me. You've got a brilliant career. We worked hard. We're near the top. You can't throw it away. Get out of my way, Pop. Think of me. I'm an old man. I can't go out and start looking for somebody else now. It takes years to build a good fight, and I haven't got the time. Pop, you're making me mad. You owe me something. I pulled you out of a pool room and made you into a human being. You're not going to let me down. I don't want to give it the effort. I don't want to. Pop. Pop, you all right? Don't live there like it was dead. I didn't mean to hit you. Roaming around in Central Park at four o'clock in the morning. What do you think we are, Hank? A couple of sailors? I don't like it any more than you do, Anne, but we gotta find Joy. We're not going to find him. Hmm. Go on a bed. Huh? There he is, sitting on that bench under the obelisk. Well, of all things... His favorite spot. That's where he met Mabel for the first time. Shh. Hello, Joey. Huh? Oh, it's you, Hank. Yeah, and this is Ann Cooper. How do you do? Pleased to meet you. What are you doing here, Joey? I couldn't find Mabel, so he wanted to be alone with my thoughts. Oh, you poor thing. she throw you over for a wrestler? She wouldn't do nothing like that. She's a good kid. Now, calm down, Joey. Have you seen Pop recently? Yeah, about an hour ago. And you know he's dead. Huh? What are you trying to give me, Hank? He ain't dead. He was when we saw him, Joey. Well, I hit him on the jaw because he made me mad, but I brung him through and he went to bed. We didn't find him in bed. He was on the floor. Somebody had cracked his skull with a hammer. Wait a minute. Are you saying it was me? Would I dare? Not if you know what's good for you. Oh, why, Mabel. Mabel, honey. I figured you might be sweating it out here, Joy. I couldn't find you anyplace else. They're telling me I killed Pop. Don't pay attention to them. They're not your friends. So you know about Pop, too, huh? Why shouldn't I? I found him and I called the cops. Would you know who killed him? One of Marty's boys. And Pop got it because he killed Marty. Is that what you told the police? Yes. And I gave him the whole inside story about Pop and Marty, too. Well, I guess that settles that. Ah, uh, how about some gum? You got some, Hank? Mm-hmm. Right here. What kind is it? A popular kind. A kind Marty used to chew all the time. We found it in the pocket of his coat at the morgue. Huh? Uh, you're not afraid of it, are you, Joey? I ain't afraid of nothing. Give me a piece. Okay. 
One for you too, Mabel? No. I never chew. Oh, that's too bad. How about you, Anne? I don't mind. Uh, don't uh, forget to take the paper off, dear. Stop it, Joey. Well, what's your mind? Don't put that gum in your mouth. Why not, Mabel? Come on, Joey. We're getting out of here. Just a minute. We've got a few things to talk about first. And if you add them up, they'll total like murder. Uh, tell me, Anne, do you think the automobile will ever replace the horses? This is much more romantic. Carriage ride in Central Park. By the dawn's early light. Yeah. And, darling. Well, hold your horses, Hank. Oh. When did you decide that Mabel killed Marty? When you found that package of chewing gum. He wasn't killed by the champagne, so therefore, and to wit... But how could she have slipped it into his pocket? You were all in Joey's dressing room together. She didn't do it there. She performed that bit of hocus-pocus during the fight while Marty Frank was sitting next to her thinking about Pop's business. Oh, I see. And, and Marty was much too absorbed to know what was happening. But why did she kill Pop? Because of Joey. What do you mean? Well, her idea in getting rid of Marty was to frame Pop. The old guy had a hold on Joey she couldn't break. Then the unexpected happened. What unexpected? Joey, the big dope, developed guilt feelings and was going to throw himself at the chair. Oh, you never know, do you? Oh, well. Hank, don't you think the horse has many advantages over the automobile? Well, you can't eat an automobile. I mean, to lie back in the carriage and to listen to the trot, trot, trot. Mm -hmm. So romantic. And so peaceful. Darling, have I told you tonight how lovely you are? Not yet. It never hurts. Yeah, like a moonbeam on a... And look at me. What's the matter? Would you kill a couple of men just to get me? Don't be silly. Of course not. But I'd slaughter a couple of dozen women. And so closes tonight's crime club story, Death is a Knockout. Stedman Coles wrote the radio script. Roger Bauer produced and directed. Tonight's cast included Sidney Smith as Hank Barnum, Ted DeCorsia as Joey Troy, Barbara Joyce played Mabel Smith, Bill Smith was Pop Evans, Arthur Vinton was heard as Marty French, and Joan Tompkins was Ann Cooper. Oh, I beg your pardon. Hello. I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. We have the very exciting story of love and politics, in which the deciding vote was cast by death. It's called Hearses, Don't Hurry, by Stephen Ransom. In the meantime, well, in the meantime, there is a new crime club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we'll look for you next week. This program came from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more old-time radio. I hope you can join us then. Till then, this is Jim Dolan thanking you for listening. We'll be right back.